Bards FM podcast. This is Scott Kesterson, and tonight you're listening to A Conversation with Pastor Brad Cummings. This war is real. Fighting is everything. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Tempt not the righteous man to draw his sword. Conviction, righteousness, ruthlessness. To understand tolerance, you have to understand the line of intolerance. War is the teacher, soldiers are the students. They become the bards of war. Good evening, patriots, and today is Thursday, May 25th in the year 2023. Tonight we have a great interview with Pastor Brad Cummings. I'm going to forewarn you, this is a long interview tonight. I typically try to break interviews up in two parts when we get a long one, but this one really didn't have any break points. The interview itself is about an hour and 30 minutes, and so by the time we get through some of our normal business in the beginning and a little bit at the end, it's going to be a pretty long interview. But I'm going to really encourage you, if you can't listen to it all tonight, to listen to the whole thing. Really good stuff very relevant to the whole concepts of what we're dealing with in terms of taking and proclaiming authorities, talking about what that looks like in prayer and a variety of other things. Now, before we begin tonight, I also want to make sure you're taking good care of your health. And part of that is to take advantage of some products that are great for your health, like CBD oil. I have been taking these CBD gummies. They're um, from CBD Distillery. CB Distillery. I keep adding the D. CB Distillery. Distillery.com. They are really amazing products. And, and it's this helps both in your well-being of your mindset, your sleep, your overall body feeling, and even your, your stress levels. I don't really like stress. I don't do stress much. But for those that have stress and pain, and it helps all of those things. These are great products. There's a whole range of products at CBDistillery.com. And if you head on over there and you use your promo code BARDS, B-A-R-D-S, you're going to find that you get 20% off, which is a great, obviously a great deal. So cbdistillery.com. These are hemp-based products, fantastic products all the way through. Highly recommend you check them out. They're a wonderful part of your, they are absolutely a necessary, really, part of your medical kit. And they've got millions of satisfied customers. Literally, and from their customer base, literally 90% of their people that take the CBD products sleep better. They claim that they sleep better. Almost 80% of them claim that their stress is lowered. And over 80% of them says it helps aches and pains. And I'm going to add myself into that 80% because it's that good. So check it out, cbdistillery.com, cbdistillery.com, promo code BARDS. The link is below the podcast, like all the links are every night. So tonight we're going to have a discussion with Pastor Brad Cummings. And a lot of this is centered around, as it just happened around what we're talking about our authorities and literally where God's leading us to reclaim our authorities in this time, which I think is just so important. We are supposed to be the sons and daughters of the Most High. And with that, we're intended to be able to proclaim our authorities in this world and not wait for somebody else always to try to pick up the pieces and the mess that we're dealing with, which has become commonplace these days. Now, one of the things that we're going to center in on tonight is John 16, 23 to 24. In the day, in that day, you will not need to ask me about anything. I assure you, and most 
solemnly say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name as my representative, he will give you. Until now you have not asked the Father for anything in my name, but now ask and keep on asking and you will receive so that your joy may be full and complete. These are things that are going to become increasingly important. And I I don't say this lightly. We are are in a time when we must be proclaiming and declaring our authorities and using that in this world. There's way too much brainwashing going on with us that one of two things or both. One, people are unworthy. And two, that we're supposed to sit and wait for Christ to return and do nothing. We have a mission here, and that mission is important, and it's becoming ever more prescient all the time. Now, you're going to hear me talk tonight of a testimony that was sent to me last night that just blew my mind. And I'm grateful that this person in our group has, in our Bards Nation, has reached out for prayer, that it's going to be an active part of our prayer tomorrow. But I'm telling you, evil's on the move. And you'll hear this testimony tonight in a short level. You'll hear more detail tomorrow. But in short, this is a a testimony of, of her son who has now been led away down a dark path by a youth pastor, okay? Satan's working in our churches. He's working in our schools. The war is on children and our youth, and we have to get ready for this and wake up to this and start declaring our authorities in this world and taking things responsibly as people of kingdom, as the sons and daughters of the Most High. We can't sit by passively. And part of that is to remember the heart of David, because David, as he confronted Goliath, understood very intuitively that Goliath violated a big deal. He can, he can defamed God. And David didn't wait to go, okay, well, God, are you going to come down and fix it for me? No, God, David stepped in with the authority of the kingdom. God presented him Goliath, and God put Goliath in David's hands, and David finished the problem. We are in that time, and it's a, it's a time of authorities that we must start leaning into in this world. No one else is going to fix it for us. It's that bottom line. So, Patriots, one last thing. Keep in mind that these psychopaths that are running the world, and there's a lot of them, at least too many of them for our comfort zone, they want to take control of your food and break you and bring you to your knees. And that just can't happen. You need to make sure in your preparations of everything you have that you have you have literally a stock of food that you can be mobile with and that you can have for extended periods of time. This is why we have My Patriot Supply. Their stuff is good for up to 25 years on the shelf life. For emergency preparedness food, you can't get better. Patriots, you've seen the dire headlines we're facing in the world today. Everywhere you look, things are falling apart. That's why the smartest investment you can make right now is in your family's food security. We've seen supply chains break down, food processing plants burn. We've seen animals cold because of so-called viruses. The reality is you might not be able to find food when the next disaster strikes. Imagine a moment in the future where grocery stores could be empty roads closed, and trucks won't be able to make deliveries. When that happens, you need emergency food in full supply. That's why I urge you to grab a three-month emergency food kit from My Patriot Supply, the nation's largest preparedness company. When you order today, you'll save $200 on each kit you need. Having these kits means your family will stay fed while others stand in food lines. Don't delay. Order your three-month emergency food kit today and save $200 per kit. It's easy to order. 
Go to preparewithbards.com. You'll get fast and free shipping too. Preparewithbards.com. Do this today. You won't regret it. Preparewithbards.com. And Patriots, tonight on Fishers, we're going to go over some of the schedule for Bards Fest. I did it earlier today. It's awesome. I'm excited. I've been talking to the speakers all day. It's wonderful. All right. So with that, without any further ado, remember, about an hour and a half tonight, and if you can't get through the whole thing, I understand, but um, I would really encourage you to come back and listen to it. This is a great one. Really enjoy always working with Brad, good friend, and just a, a great mind and, and heart of God. Here you go. I like coming down here because like we're like super elite, and so whatever we ask, they do. So it's building my faith. <laughs> I come down here for, for, for therapy. <laughs> I don't even know where to go there. That's just like, what did you <laughs> see, do? No, but see, it, it's practical. It is. I'm teaching my children how to operate in their authority because their father has prepaid for all this. <laughs> There's lessons there. There are lessons there. <laughs> Come on. <clears throat> Tell me I'm wrong. I can't even argue it. I'm just like, this is good. This is good. Just don't forget that when your car breaks down, it's up, not here, not in my wallet. That's what you that's what you got to remind him, right? Yes. Right. So yes. This, this is the example. Yes. This isn't the I know, I know all this. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. All right. Well, Patriots, I'm really honored and always enjoy having Brad Cummings on. Pastor Brad Cummings is here again. And I'm just going to warn you, I don't know where we're going today, but I can tell you he's energized. He's taken himself to a part of the world for a few days to reconnect and to remind himself of the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of our Father. And he awoke this morning with, yeah, baby. with, with great words. <laughs> so, Brad, how are you? Welcome to the show. I am fantastic. We, uh, we had trekked down to the land below the United States just to check things out, and it's lovely. So no cartels. So no cartels. They they bother they bother us not. I mean they're everywhere. I'm sure they own everything. I'm sure my breakfast was served by someone that knows them. <laughs> it was marvelous. It was just late. <laughs> you, you, you know what's different about down here. In, in Mexico, it's like, yeah, we'll get there. It is not the punctuality of the drivenness of our culture up north. And I like I like I, I like that. I don't like it when I plan something and it's late, but I like the fact that they don't seem to be all anxious about everything. That's good. And I'll I'll be honest, I, I, I think they're I think they're super purpose in our being down here right now because um you're aware of a lot of these i got so many different um pressing challenges this is not the time that you quote take a vacation um but it's my wife's birthday and we hadn't seen the kids and so we all convened down here and we're having an absolute blast and i just feel like god is sort of recalibrating me to say hey relax you know it's like what 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 if what if I was the king of heaven? What if I do have all power and authority? What if you're one of my kids? And what if we actually can transact things? How'd you feel then? And I kind of went, well, better. 
mean, it's not that I don't know that. It's just, I don't know about you, but I'm a normal person. In the midst of the squeeze, I feel squoze. Squoze, <laughs> nice word. That's good. And and anxiety comes out and you just go like, help God. And and I sort of feel like all of this has been trying to say like, like I, I asked you the question just moments ago. It's like, I woke up with John 16, 23, 24 on my head. And the thought that father said, what would you do if that was true? And it's kind of interesting when the living God asks you a question about the Bible says, you know, what would you do if it was true? It's kind of like, well, I know it's true, <laughs> but what would I do if I believed it? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> and it's like, you know, it, it, the answer is I live differently. And so I think today's invitation to me, and I'll get vicariously give it to anyone else who wants it, is it 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 it's Jesus talking to his disciples at the most critical moment in their time. I mean, this is this is he's about to go to the cross. So this would be like if I was going to tell you a few things before it's all going to go foobar. This is. This is that moment. Do the disciples know that it's about their, their world's about to just be smushed? No. So the, the things that Jesus is saying to them right now, they're like the super important underscore, like, hey, if you forget everything else, let me remind you of this. And so while we were waiting for breakfast, I just was trekking through this part of the Bible and just going like, no flipping way. I need a refresher course. And it, 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 this is this is Jesus saying, in that day, you will ask me no question. I'm going like, well, that's not today because I ask a lot of questions. <laughs> but he says, truly, truly, I say to you, if you shall ask the Father for anything, he will give it to you in my name. And I'm, the Lord was inviting me today, like, okay, let's just play a game. Let's pretend this is true. And I go, I'm like, well, dude, that I have a lot of things you and I are going to discuss today, and I expect them to happen. And verse 24 says, until now, you've asked me for nothing. Ask, and you will receive. Why? That your joy may be made full. And I got to tell you, Scott, that phrase, that your joy may be made full, that's like five or six times in just these three little chapters. And I'd never seen that before until this morning where it, the whole focus is God is wanting our joy to be full. And the kind of the word full there is like, you got so many passengers on a bus, you can't get another one on. And it's like, you know, just joy, you know, dipstick joy test. Is your joy full today? Not when I woke up. Mine wasn't. <laughs> and yeah, and I, I just, it, but but I, I know that it's like the things of this world irk me. I get tweaked because it's like my justice meter goes off. Mm, exactly. And what's so amazing to me right now is that passage, if I'm just going to take it at face value, is Jesus is saying, hey, in that day, what day? The day where, guess what? He's He's been crucified. And he's now gone because he's resurrected and he's triumphed. In that day, you're going to not come to me and ask me stuff. 
you're going to go directly to the Father for yourself. Why? Because I've opened that pathway and you're going to go in my name. You're going to stand there as though you were me and you're going to transact and do business with the Father. Why? Because his joy is to see your joy made complete. That's a profound statement. I mean, right there. It's So I want to give you something here real quick because I want you to keep going, obviously. But um, this was brought to my attention last night. You told You know that we... We decided to pray for rain about a week ago, 10 days ago. You and I talked about that on the border. Yes. On You're the moving border. into weather miracles. I am. That's a good step. It is a good step, considering it went on for like six days and eight and a half inches of rain. Now get this. Two days ago, we were praying on, and, and again, like all these things, you could, someone can brush this off to, mm, you know, whatever. I don't. You don't. So we were praying for earthquakes along the route heading to a couple of the places, including the Darien Gap. Last night, an earthquake hit the Darien Gulf, which is right between Panama and Colombia in the main route of this movement of people. Oh, goodness. And it was a (laughs) 6.6. Oh, just one shy of their favorite number. (laughs) Just one shy. (laughs) So I'm like... I, so I, I'm I'm with you because you were Play. talking you were talking about being Playing. energized, right? Well, you were talking about being energized when you got up, and I was like, I'm energized. I'll keep doing this stuff. I'll keep bringing the rain. I'll tell you, and earthquakes, that too. Earthquakes are good sometimes, you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've just like truth and packaging laws. I've never been more financially challenged in this moment in my life. And you're like, well, so what are you doing down in Mexico? And it's like on a prepaid thing. It's like use it or lose it kind of deal. Right. And I, I kind of feel like, guess what? It actually has a spiritual parallel and application. It's like God has already paid in full for all of our redemption, yours, mine, and the entire planet. And the question is, is anyone going to make a draw on father's account? Is anyone going to step up and say, hey, I'm going to transact business in your name. Not I deserve it. I somehow have done it or, or it's so needy. It's like, no, no, no. Father has redeemed everything. It is paid in full. Now, the question is, is anyone going to go redeem it? I don't know if you remember back in like the way back when in the day of food stamps, maybe you never had them or something like that, but we'd get some and we as little kids would be all excited to go to the redemption center and you'd take our stamps and we'd go like, well, how much can we get? And it's like, we count up our stamps and then we, we, we'd go down and we'd, we'd choose something going like, Oh, wow. And I end up going like, gosh, I wish the church, would would take its food stamps to the redemption center and kind of transact things for the kingdom and in in Jesus's name because why? Because it's paid in full. And father's saying, you know what? I really would love for my kids to do business in my name. We end up we're always asking God to do stuff. And you know, this is going to tweak some people, but I don't care. Um I don't know how it happens in heaven when we go in prayer and we ask Father to do things that he told us to do. 
I don't, I don't know how, I don't know what the conversation is like, but I wonder if father scratches his head, looks at the next angel next to him, like, do you understand what they're asking? And the angel probably says, well, I, I want you to transact that in a prayer format, because this is something you and I've had so much conversation, great conversations too, about how we pray. So transact that. In, in a in a prayer format. What does that look like versus Father do this versus what we're talking about here in John 16, 23? Yeah, it's like typically people when they get together with the problem, they all kind of pray like and, and we insert this word just, like Lord, would you just and I end up going like, why are we saying just in our prayers? It's like because we're we're, we're sort of hedging our ask and it's like like, like, you know, don't mean to bother you. I know there's more important things happening in heaven, but Father, we just, and it's like, why don't you come boldly before him? And as opposed to asking Jesus to stretch forth his hand and heal, I think he's told us to do that because he's given us that power and authority. And so as, as, as opposed to asking Jesus, would you heal him? Why don't I speak healing over that person? If you have a short limb that's different than the other, I would say stretch forth your hand. And I would invite the person to reach their hand out and see it grow. If you are sick with a headache, I would rebuke the headache and I would command the headache to go in Jesus' name. I wouldn't ask God to remove the headache. It's not, you're not, I mean, heaven's not going to ding you and say, yep, sorry, you asked wrong, so no no soup for you. Um, it's, it's more like, I think Father's trying to grow us up saying, I've given you this power and authority. I would love to see my sons and daughters rise up with their, my given authority and do things in my name, knowing they have the power. Because I think when we're asking God to do this stuff, we're confessing right, right at the front end. I don't, I don't see myself as having been authorized. I don't see myself as having been a possessor of the power he's given. So right there, I'm not really asking in the fullness of faith. I'm, I'm, I'm asking because I don't know how to do it. And I, I'm not confident that the power resides in me to make a difference. So I'm going to him. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I think the transaction is we're we're in, in Hebrews, we're we're invited to come boldly before the throne of all grace. That's an interesting title for the throne. And the word grace is not just, hey, you know, you get a pass. I know you screwed up, so you don't have to worry about it. That's how most people think grace is. Like grace is just that thing that covers you for how you screwed up. That's not what grace is. That's what mercy is. Mercy is what I need when I mess up. Grace is best understood as the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit. It says Paul was full of grace and he did extraordinary miracles. It said Jesus grew in grace. How do you grow in grace? And how does Jesus, who's not sinless, need something to cover his sin? I mean, just say it. I mean, if, if we're going to go by definitions, the problem is we don't really know the words we talk about. They're just little Christianisms. And I'm going like, I'm the kind of guy that is really curious to go like, you know, I'm not really interested in the Christianisms. I really want to know what does that mean? You know, if where, where sin abounds, 
it says grace much more abounds. And I think most people go like, oh, God knows we're going to mess up, so it doesn't matter. Wrong, wrong, wrong. <laughs> it's the exact wrong. It's like where sin abounds, the empowering presence of the Holy Spirit even more abounds. Why? So you, that you won't sin. But grace is only given to the humble. So if it's the unmerited favor of God, which most people like to say, like, what is grace? Well, it's the unmerited favor of God. That's the, the standard Christian answer. I go like, well, that's the wrong answer. That's mercy. And 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 so we're we're invited to come boldly before the throne of all grace and his power to change stuff. And we're invited to get two things to receive mercy. There it is. There's the unmerited part. It's like mercy is I don't get what I do deserve. Grace is I do get what I don't deserve. And I want to get both. I want to get mercy for how I've messed up because I'm not sinless. I, I sin less. I mean, I'm maturing. I am. There's days that I go by where I, when I go to bed, I'm not really going like, huh, I wonder what I need to confess tonight. And it's like, I don't get any conviction on some nights. And I go like, nice. We, 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 we marked a good one. <laughs> you know, um, But I need mercy. So I want to be merciful. But I really need grace, which is so that I don't have to keep needing mercy. I want to change. And I want situations to change. And I don't want them changing for a moment. Like, we've been praying for your, like, sciatica. And you know how I joke. It's like, none of this partial crap, Jesus. And, and maybe that's too familiar for some. But, I, I, you know, it's like I actually have a friendship with him. And I'm just going like, hey, I'm not interested in partial healing. Partial healing still hurts. And my compassion meter says, I would like to remove it all, please. And, and I think it's because we don't persist with the kind of confidence that takes God at his word. And I'm not talking about the braggadocious kind of Christianity where, you know, I'm just going to be father confessor of all things. And I have, you know, the seven spirits of God and I'm powerful. And you're just like, no, I'm a little nut, numb nut. But I'm empowered by the Holy Spirit to do things in Father's name. And I'm going to pretend like Jesus really meant it. You're not going to come to me and ask me questions. You're going to go right to the Father and you're going to ask in his name and he will do it. That's a different that's a different moment of prayer. It is a different moment in prayer. So let's pray on something. I, I think this is the reason I'm saying this, Brad, I understand everything you're saying in the in the framework of it, but there's nothing. Let's do it. That, let's do it. Let's show what it's like. So lead a prayer, whatever you want to do. What issue you got going on? You want to pray about? Well, I, I think that what we should pray about is, I, I don't, we're going to pray about this tomorrow, but I, it's really heavy on my heart today. You know, this a email that I received this morning, which was, or last night, it just absolutely racked me, which was the discovery of a amazing family and one of our followers that um, has homeschooled their children to discover that the youth pastor at the church was advising their son on transition therapy to transition to a, a, a girl and then discovered that the youth pastor raised money for this and he would then link him up with Planned Parenthood, which provided him the drugs, the H HRT drugs, to begin transition. 
and, and so there's so many violations on this level of just like, I mean, it's like, as you, you yourself said, here's the line. And we just went about 16 miles past that line. Okay. Such, such things should not be so. My, my simple discernment is such things should not be so. So, so first off, Hey, father, father, this thing is totally messed up. And Lord, I pray right now, I would break the, I break the power of confusion that is reigning in this body of people. And God, I release the spirit of truth and, and, and the power of the Holy Spirit to bring conviction. You said you could give us a helper that would lead us into all truth. God, right now, I release the helper, the Holy Spirit to just touch every single part of that community of people with conviction of truth, dividing between right and wrong. God, I ask for the exposing of evil. Ask for mercy for those who have compromised their soul and are becoming a stumbling stone for the little ones. God, I ask that they remove we command that they get removed. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come as the conviction, the convictor, that this is wrong. And we bind the spirit of confusion and we release your light of truth. God, I ask that your word would become alive in the leadership. I ask for an absolute repentant heart and those leaders that God, whoever has spiritual authority for those people, I pray that you would convict them and cause an increase of the fear of God to be upon that body of people. And if they're unrepentant, God, we ask that you remove them swiftly. And Lord, I, I do. I ask for a judgment, which is setting wrong things right. I ask that this that is just horribly wrong that there would be the penalty of leadership because they're, they're they're judged according to a stricter standard but god i ask that bring them to repentance or we command them to be removed and i ask for the the men in that community to truly act as the elders and to be guardians for that body of people and lord give them courage and give them strength, but do not let this be a place of compromise or just looking the other way. And Lord, we ask that you would protect the little ones that are getting confused by this and that you would open up the communication channels between them and their parents. But God, we ask the kingdom would come and manifest itself in their midst. In Jesus' name. Amen. I concur. That's great. I, I think really is great. Thank you. I mean, this is um, what I think is so important is that we're not just talking, but demonstrating this prayer, these prayers. And even, even for myself as we're talking and I'm just reflecting as well on the format of prayers that we're doing on Fridays, under your encouragement in the last couple of weeks, I've moved, shifted to the direction we're now talking, where it's like just taking it and saying, you know, like we declare our authorities, and if if it's if it is your will, this is what we're asking, 
and put it before Father and just say, this is it. Um, apparently some of it worked because the rain and the, <laughs> and the earthquakes are still going. So I'm like, huh. Well, you know, you know, you know, this, you guys think this is funny. Um, nature is not opposed to God. Nature, it says in Romans that nature has been um, subjected to the curse. They're eagerly waiting. They're groaning for the emerging of the sons of God. And who, who are those people? They're the, they're the ones who come of age. The word son there is huios, which is someone who is of age of inheritance. They're waiting for the children of God to emerge in their inheritance and then to do business in the kingdom's name. Why? Because then they get freed from the curse. Nature is not opposed to the creator. Nature wants to be in harmony with it. And what's crazy is you can use your authority. And guess what? With nature, you've got a willing participant that says, okay, I'm going to respond to the creator God. The problem is with humans. If you noticed in how I prayed about that church situation, I don't get to wield my will like some sorcerer and use witchcraft to command someone else's will to be different. I'm praying for uh, uh, an atmosphere of conviction where truth just cuts through all of the deception and, and lies get exposed and courage emerges within the people. You know, I can pray that the dude gets killed, but I'm a little more merciful than that. I, I'd like to strive in this moment for, for change, for redemption. But if that persists, I have on three different occasions marched into the throne room of God that related to church situations that were just wrong. And I demanded a verdict from heaven. And it came within 24 hours, swift justice, where the bad guys fled the country, were exposed, or one of them just died. Now, did I kill him? No, I didn't. But I demanded for a verdict. And I, I think the reality is, is Paul, he found some you know people in Corinth. And the guy was sleeping with his mom, and he basically turned them over to Satan for the destruction of their flesh, that their spirit might be saved. That's a pretty freaky situation. That's some serious church discipline. That's saying in an innocent community of people, such things ought not to be so, and we don't, we're not going to throw a dirt clod of behavior into a pure stream, so we want to change this. If they're going to be unrepentant, let them be removed. Why? Because God hates people? No, because he cares about the whole community. And if you have someone who's unrepentant, he's going to bring judgment there. Why? To preserve the rest. It's kind of like a cancer surgeon. My father's a cancer surgeon. He enacts judgment upon cancer tumors. And he removes them from the body so that they don't destroy the rest. We're going to have to get there. And, and, and I think most people, it's like, I was driving down, um, you know, a little beautiful PCH in Malibu one morning, and the Lord said, you know, I want you to pray for judgment. You could have heard the urt of my car, my car go like, what? That's not, it's like, explain, Lord. And that's where he helped me understand judgment. It's not like some punitive, I'm retribution. It's no. Pray that wrong things get set right. When the judge shows up, he he brings verdicts where things are in error and wrong, and he sets the right standard. I should want that. I think most people are afraid 
to kind of pray those prayers. I should be inviting that kind of scrutiny into my life daily. You know, David said it, search me, try me, see, see if there be any wicked way in me. Create in me, oh God, a clean heart, renew a right spirit. That should be daily that I'm coming before the Lord like that. And what if we were not opposed to what God wanted to do? What if we wanted to speedily see justice and judgments released? Not because we're asking in a wrong spirit, because we do want the right setting up of the kingdom of God. You know, the reason I kind of er, with my car and pulled to the side of the road and I just kind of said, please explain is I felt like I was calling an airstrike down on my own, own <laughs> position. <laughs> like, Wait Broken arrow. Before we go there. Yeah, before we do the yeah. Before we do napalm on my own neighborhood, can, can I can I transact some things so that I might uh, not go down with Very the ship? Nice. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just saying. That's good. Now, I, I do I like, do like this, Brad. I think this is very important in, in how we definitely walk. Um, there is this, as you know, I've talked a lot about this open carry. There's a parallel here to what you're talking about, which is how Father put on my heart the other day. It's like open carry. And I'm telling you, that was a real, a lot of prayer that I was asking about before I went up on stage at a revival, open carrying. It wasn't, because it's not a stunt. It was, in, and that's what I had to get to. And his question to me. I know, you you had it in the kitchen the right. other morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm the only barista. <laughs> I'm looking at you and I'm looking at my wife. I'm the only one who's not packing. <laughs> and I'm going like, wow, so it's open carry breakfast. I don't have my holster. I got my gun, but don't have my holster. I think that's. What's really significant in this is when I, and it's to your point of the heart and the intention, because I was praying on this most of the night before the event. I said, all right, Father, I really need to discern this because this is, I have no problem open caring, but coming up on stage on a revival, that can be misconstrued. And his question was simple. Is this about you and your gun? Or is this about me? And I said, well, it's about you. He said, then let's go. Then he, And then right. the response was very simple. Then let's go have some fun. And there's a, a beautiful part of this because at that moment, I also started laughing. Just like I told you the day when I was like, how am I going to do this with my Jeep? And he goes, you mean my Jeep? <laughs> there's our key. You see, and, 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 and when, I, when I get this point right here and Father says, let's go have some fun, I think this kind of blows the circuits of people because it's like, I'm start laughing. I'm like, you really want to have some fun open caring with me. You want to enjoy that experience of standing before your people through me. Unashamed, unafraid. Right. And, and carrying a pistol. I mean, like if we ask people, it's like, I would like you to draw a picture of, of our father with a open carry 1911 on his hip. And people be looking at me like, you blasphemous fool. What are you talking about? Well, it just happened. That's, that's what's amazing is it just literally through my presence happened, and it was a profound response in the audience, and all of that was Father-led. And, you know, the most powerful part of this for me in this in this walk, and, and we talk a lot about this because, I mean, I do have that de definite sword edge at times, um, but it was – yes, I yes. do. I, I do. I know. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> so – but what was – I love it, but yes, you do. Sometimes I go like, "Ooh, oh, he's he's." he's <laughs> so I think what's really amazing is 
in this moment, which I again, that one of those passages that keeps recycling over and over for me, as we've discussed at depth, Peter and Jesus in the garden, right? And really what's amazing about that is what was put on my heart the other day. It's like everybody needs a sort of steel right now. That's the same thing as the open carry because it's the confidence. But you will evolve to the confidence and greatness to understand that you that simply becomes a symbol, a reminder of where you are because everything you transact will be in the sword of the spirit, not in the sword of the steel. And that's what's so amazing is that we're literally in a transition point if we're willing to step in and claim and proclaim the authorities. Yeah, I mean, let's just scenario. Say I got 100 dudes outside my house and they're coming to get me. Let's just say. Mm -hmm. At that moment, I don't know how fast I am with my pistol. And and in California, I only got 10 shots. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) That means 90 others or my other clip, maybe I get out 20, okay? But then there's 80 guys I don't have. At that moment, I'd like to believe, hey, Father, if I'm not finished and you have work for me to do here, then guess what? I'm going to live according to an undestructible life. That's the power of the God that lives in me. So I'm not losing this one. And I'll be honest. As much as I have gotten over my little fear of guns, and you know, we had that podcast a long time ago. It's like I I know how to I know how to do bodily harm to someone such that they'll not get up. Do I want to do that? No. I'm glad I know how though. I'm glad I've had that confronted. I'm glad the guy that was like six inches taller than me and had muscles on muscles made me feel like a total wimpy girly man. And I had to get through that. And so I, I I like that. I like that he got in my face and, you know, what's your problem? And it's like, well, I'm a pastor. It's like, what's the problem? <laughs> I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> and it's like, I had to get past that because like, wait a minute, what are you going to do with bad guys that are, that are not going to stop? They're not going to, they're not going to be reasoned with you. Well, you put them down. And that's a righteous thing. And, and and that's exacting justice in those moments. Are we willing to be that? Well, the nice thing is, I think in Romans, it says that that requirement has been given to civil government. They've been handed the sort of justice. Individuals have not. But then you and I have talked about this. What happens when the government no longer does its job and frankly has joined the guys on the bad side? Then what we need is some righteous rebellion. Rebellion to tyrants is obedience to God. So I'm not acting in a rebellious spirit. I'm going like, wait a minute. The people who were supposed to do their job are not doing their job. Therefore, it's a dereliction of duty. I'm not supposed to respond to their authority. I'm I'm supposed to godly defy it. And we've lost that. We've lost the conscience that needs to be instructed in each and every heart And then it becomes my job to do what's right. And I full on know in California, guess what? I will suffer the consequences if I even pull my gun out of a holster. Okay? And they're not going to be friendly to me. But if I'm in a situation where it does require the defense of someone else, an innocent, I, I have to pull. 
I have to do my job or I'm going to answer to heaven for my dereliction of duty. I don't get to hide under, well, it was someone else's job. I mean, when we stand at the end of our life and we stand at the judgment seat of Christ, there's no finger pointing. I have zero excuses and there's no one else to blame. The only one who's going to be evaluated in that moment is me for what I did or didn't do. And I want that to be a great day. I want that to be a point of celebration. I don't want to be crying on that day and feeling terrible, sin of a wasted life written over me. I do walk circumspectly, and I do have the, the, the tangible fear of God. I'm not afraid of God. I just don't want to be found outside of the boundaries of his blessing. I don't want that. I want to be in the boundaries. Therefore, there's things I don't do. My conscience is educated, and engagement is the biggest problem on this planet. We have so many good people doing nothing. And, and, and even in the spirit of our praying, we're asking God to do what we have commissioned authority to do, and I don't think that's good. I think that's a dereliction of duty. I think that's a lack of belief. I think that's a, a, a an uninstructed understanding of how we're supposed to stand you, know, you and i were talking the other day i was so impacted by the the story of the widow woman yes where god was saying you know hey when i come back am i gonna find faith on earth and it's that little widow woman who was contending with an unrighteous judge not a righteous one an unrighteous judge who neither respected god nor man well, we got a bunch of those, so I think that's a pretty uh, applicable parable. Mm -hmm. And and she was unwilling to back down, so much so that she intimidated the judge to finally rule in her favor. Who does that? Who is that widow woman? She's the weakest person in all of society. She has no hope, no future. She's completely on her own, and yet she prevailed. Why did Jesus tell that parable? Oh, because I think it's like super relevant. And did she just sit in a prayer meeting? No, she didn't. She was contending with the unrighteous judge, and she was not willing to let that guy go until he did what was right. Well, where are those people today? I think that's our job. I think our country is a mess. It's fully FUBAR. And we can do our prayer meetings all we want, but I'm going like, who's in front of the judge demanding that even he stop his unrighteousness? And are you postured in such a way that you're not leaving? Because I don't think until we do that, we get the promise of why Jesus told the parable, which was, he said, if we have faith like her, how much more will God in heaven bring justice speedily? I don't think most people understand that thing. I don't have, God's not reluctant. God is saying, I've paid for all of this. Would you please go do business in my name? Boy, I agree with that. I want to read something here, Brad. I think it's important because it, dovetails right in one of my one of these passages that just I keep coming back to because of everything we're talking about here and this 
This is 1 Samuel 17, 45. And it says, Then David said to the Philistine, obviously Goliath, You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will hand you over to me, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give you give the corpse of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth, so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel, and that this entire assembly may know that the Lord does not save with the sword or the spear, but the battle is the Lord's, and he will hand you over to us. So there's so much in this when you unpack it with what we're, we're, we're framing today. David does not yeah. step in asking God if it's okay. I, and I went over this last night exactly, which is why it's really dovetails in well. David does not step in going, uh, excuse me, Father, um, is it okay if I, if I go confront? That's the army because they have no faith. David steps in and Goliath defames the Lord. And I love this fact because David just steps in and goes, you know what? I've already got the relationship with Father. Screw you, buddy. Here's a deal. For what you've just said and done, I'm the Lord, I'm I know that he's gonna hand you over to me. And when he does, I'm gonna kill you and cut off your head. And then I'm gonna take your army and cast them out and give them to the birds. I mean, this is like, why aren't we doing this with every cartel member, with every child sex trafficker? I mean, literally standing that boldly before the before the father and just saying, Look, we're done. And I'm not I already know that this is wrong. It says so in scripture. So guess what? I'm proclaiming my authorities. All of you out here that are trafficking kids. The Lord's going to hand you over to my hand today. I'm going to ca- cut off your head, and then I'm going to cast you to the birds and have them feed on your carcasses for doing what is absolutely wrong. There's no discussion about that when we get to kids. And so this is just, I find this a profound passage, which not to, to your point earlier, not to overplay this and to start doing like black magic stuff, which is where this, where I think people get confused, but in this moment, David is such in the authority of what is right and wrong, and he's he's already transacted that. He already understands where he stands with the Lord, and he knows that he's not saying himself will wield the sword. He knows that the Lord's going to lead his sword to do what needs to be done. Well, I mean, I, I, I was kind of giggling when you were going to this passage because it just reminds me. It's like David's going like, oh, no, you didn't. <laughs> It's like, you just defied the Lord. Oh, my God, bad for you. <laughs> David was not saying, oh, you offended me. He's like, no. oh, you just crossed a, a bad line, Goliath. You defied the living God. Bad for you. And do we have that confidence? I don't think unless you're living there, you do. I think one of the most important things is abiding in the friendship of the Lord. David had already killed a lion and a bear in defense of the sheep. David would spend tons of time out in the field um, as a warrior shepherd, not some like little, you know, effeminate little song singer. He was a warrior. But he was out there singing songs to God all by his lonesome. And he is apparently so anointed to do it that when Saul would have a demonic spirit affecting him, he called for David. David would sing, and the anointing would take away the demons. 
That's a pretty good song. David lived in that. Because, and because he lived there, he knew in that moment, it's like, oh, bad for you, Goliath. You, yeah, you see just some little snarky little red-haired kid here. But guess what? You're going down, and I'm going to cut off your head. And, and, and that's not some braggadocious. That's someone that knows the living God. One of my favorite verses is out of the book of Daniel. It says, but they that do know their God will be strong and carry out great exploits. I just go like, oh, why is that not on every refrigerator? Why don't we have some like, you know, swag that says, I know the living God. I mean, it's, well, because I think most of us don't. And I, I think that's 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 why the church is not operating in the supernatural anointing that is theirs, because they don't. You know, it's like you, we were joking earlier. You know, I have my kids down here, and this is all expenses paid by dad. Okay, and because I raised them, and they're not a bunch of foolish little, they don't actually know how to enjoy themselves really well. They're all like you know Scottish miserly penny pinchers and they're responsible with their money which is great but when you have like uh, an all-inclusive like you can order anything kind of deal part of why i do this with my kids is to teach them spiritual lessons on how to actually live on father's account i'm a good dad i am a great dad and i provide for my kids I know what it is to have nothing and I don't want them to live with a poverty spirit. And so there's moments where it's like, okay, you, we all work hard. You're all very responsible. And then there's times we can celebrate. Well, you know, why would we celebrate at a time of financial crunch where I'm going through the biggest challenges I've ever faced? Because it's an act of faith, not an act of stupidity. And because I know it was Father that arranged this, and I'm also trying to go like, hey, God, I'm going to live like this is true. It's funny, the first day I'm here, he, he wakes me up to John you know, 16, like, how would you live if you thought that was true? And so I know I'm down here for some remedial lessons on how to live according to his riches and glory. And how to transact that here in the earth where it's messed up. I don't want to be afraid to do the right thing, to do the promised purposed thing, and to put things in motion because I'm afraid I can't pay the bill. You know, you know the details. I've just had to come up with more money than I could ever scrape together to try to make the next thing happen. And I know it's the right thing, but. I'm doing this when I full on know the economy is about to crash. <laughs> so <laughs> part of me is like, hey, excuse me, hey, Father, could, could we just confer one more time yet again? <laughs> I just need to know this is okay. And, and I get the yes. And so then it's like, all right, now I'm going to cement this because I'm going to live in what you said. You know, how did Peter, in the midst of a storm, and we're professional fishermen. I've been on the I've been on that very lake. I've been on the Sea of Galilee. I've seen the storms. I've been in the boats. For for someone to be afraid of their life, you're talking that had to be a massive storm. 
Jesus was walking by and he was intending not to stop. He was just going to walk to the other side. And Peter sees him. It's like, is that you, Lord? And it's like, yes. Well, if it is, then bid me to come to you. Peter thought this moment up. Peter's looking at Jesus going like, if you can walk on the water and that's really you, this is a crazy moment. Never thought about this in my entire flipping life. But if that's you, then I then would you bid me to come to you? Come. So Peter jumps out of the boat. Who does that? How does he do that? We've got financial storms and chaos and invasion and food shortages and everything under the sun is coming all to make the perfect storm right now. Everybody's in their boat afraid for their life and Jesus is just strolling in the storm. Well, I'm going to be I'm going to be like Peter. I kind of dig Peter. It's like, oh, but yeah, but he's sick. I'm going, he's the only one that got out of the boat. I'm going to get out of the boat. God made me that way. I, I, I'm one of those crazy, wild-eyed, really fanatical guys. I'm going like, hey, if you can walk on the water, I'd like to. And all I, all I need is that you. If it is, Peter didn't say, so like, how do I do this? You know, it's like he just jumped. It's like, I don't know, does God make you lighter? Does he make the water stronger? I don't know. I just walk on what he says. And so if he says it, gosh, we have to employ it. I hope this changes the way people think about their situation of prayer, where it's like, what would it be for me to not ask God to do something, but for me to know I have been given this authority and I get to say? And we talked about this the other night. There was one time I was in, in Germany and I was I was supposed to do a healing service. I had never done one. I didn't know what to do. I'm not Benny Hinn. I don't have a coat to, 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 to swirl around somebody. I didn't know what to do. When I got up there, the father said, what would you like to heal? And I went, is that how this works? Well, it's how it worked that night. And he said, and I said, God, I'd love to see a deaf guy get healed. And he says, well, ask. And it wasn't to ask him. He had just asked me what I want. So it was to ask the audience. And so this is what a knucklehead I am. I said, is there anyone here that's deaf? <laughs> well, if they were deaf, they wouldn't be able to hear me. <laughs> it's not like that. I mean, that's just goofy preacher guy. Is there someone deaf here? No response. Why? Because they can't hear you. <laughs> <laughs> I had two people. That the crowd around them all raised their hand and pointed to them. That's how that worked, which was kind of, and I chuckled because I kind of went, oh, I suppose there's a better way to do this than the way I just stumbled into it. But on the spot, God healed both of them in front of 2,500 people, most of whom were Germans in East Germany, had never seen this before. Instantly, the place went electric. The power of God was present for healing. And we had one of the most extraordinary nights I've ever been a part of. Why? Father said, I want you to heal him. And I commanded things to happen because I had been with him and I knew he was present. I had his authority. That changed me forever. 
I didn't buy a tent and start revivals. It changed the way I operated as a son of his. And, you know, it's like, it's one thing to read the Bible. It's another thing to read the Bible and hear the voice of the author saying, that's for you. John 16, 23, 24, for everyone listening to this thing, whenever they do, that one is for you. And the whole point is I get to go to the Father directly and do business. And, you know, I I really hope people kind of can spend some time in John 14, 15, 16, and 17 and just read it afresh because I was blown away this morning so much of the motive of this is one of joy. When was the last time you saw a bunch of Christians and that's how you described them? Just full of joy. It's it, No, yeah. it doesn't happen. Yeah, I'm sorry. I don't know the group. Nope. There's something really wrong with that because Jesus is with his disciples and he's saying in John 15, He's telling them, abide in the vine. You know, I am the vine. You are the branches. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit. It's like you've got works that he's prepared before the, the foundation of the of the world. And, and the way, and you're supposed to walk in them. The branch can't do anything if it's disconnected from the vine. But if it's connected to the vine, the life of the vine is throwing is flowing through the branch, and fruit is natural. We're supposed to evidence the supernatural fruit of the supernatural God who has triumphed over every kind of evil. That's supposed to be natural. You know, I we have fruit trees. I don't go out there and I don't, you know, one, one thing I've never heard a fruit tree do is strain. I don't go out at night and they're like, trying to push out fruit. <laughs> they don't. <laughs> There, it's quiet. <laughs> Somehow, out of just this dead-looking branch, at some point, this tiny little flower pierces through the wood. And you're like, how did that happen? How did that happen last night? How has it got now five more leaves? When did that happen? I mean, when I was sleeping. When did they construct that? It's natural. If there's life in the vine and you're connected to him, that life is flowing in and through you says the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in your mortal body to quicken you to life. Oh, my goodness. That's a good one. So is that life being manifest in and through me, all around me? Why? So that the world would know the joy that is in the Father and Jesus expressly says, I am telling you these things so that my joy would be made complete in you. How in the world does that happen? You know, it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. What is that joy? I mean, it's like that's the joy he has, and he wants you to have it. What is the joy that gave Jesus the capacity to endure the cross? That's a pretty nasty moment. The joy was he knew he was doing something that utterly pleased the Father. And he also knew there was no other way to do this but this. 
and that this would bring forth the bride that he longs to be wedded to for eternity. The joy set before him was us. He was thinking of us, you and me, and all the redeemed. He was going like, I, I am redeeming. I am turning in my food stamps. I am redeeming humanity. And he's excited about it because he knew it would be complete. It would happen. He, the, the question, the outcome was not in question. And, and then he's wanting us to know those things. Why? So I would have the same joy that I relate to life. That's pretty cool. And it's awesome, honestly. It's, I think this is the, the, one of the big steps of lessons now to where we're either going to stay as a, as a people within the dead stone walls and the, and, the, and the Pharisees' temples, or we're going to break out. And I think the steps, though they can be baby steps, it has to be in a place where we start actually declaring authorities and, assume, and understanding what's been given to us. And that's a massive paradigm shift. So much of what we have been programmed, I shouldn't say we, I, I think we is fair. I mean, as a culture, even beyond the, the boundaries of the, of the church walls, is we are not worthy. That echoing goes through the entire culture. That's the entire premise of this order that currently rules the world. It tries to convince you constantly through trillions of dollars in advertising and marketing and influence media to tell you, you are not worthy. And that resounds even with, sadly, within too many walls of churches that you are not worthy. And then that internalizes and says, I am not worthy. And all the time, Father's sitting here reminding us again that if you'll just ask in me, and Jesus is telling us the same, if you ask in the name of the Father, it will be given. But in that, in that, that jump that has to be made now is really to decide which, whom, will you, whom will you serve? Will you serve that of the living yeah. God? Or will you serve that of the dead stone walls and the echoing that you are not worthy in the creation of the Most High? That's an amazing, that, that contradiction right there is what always just shakes me. Is like, we are made in the image of the Most High, and yet we are convincing ourselves, thanks to a massive system that we want to believe into, that we are not worthy. That, that's just stunning. Well, I mean, th think of this. If you actually knew who you were, could the devil stop you? No. See, the, the, the whole thing really is, it's an identity thing. Just as there's no, no finger pointing in heaven, I don't get to blame anybody. How about we start that now? You know, it's like, how are you doing? Well, under the circumstance, well, what are you doing under there? <laughs> <laughs> it's like being under a rock. Yeah, it's good. You know, I mean, but, but we do. We look at our circumstances to try to figure out who we are. How about you figure out who you are and watch your circumstances change? Why is the main motive of these chapters? This is right before Jesus is going to go to the cross. He knows they're going to be totally sideways. He knows their entire world. He knows they're not even ready for this. So over and over, he's trying to tell them something. What is he trying to tell them? I want my joy to be in you. To what measure, Jesus? So much so, there's not room for anything else. The joy of the Lord is our strength. 
Well, connect those together. If I'm full of joy, why? Because I know he loves me. That's the main thing he's getting across is like, guess what? He's not saying, oh, and here's your to-do list. And here's all these things. And it's going to be really hard. And I'm going to leave it. He said, no, no. I love you. I have loved you. I've preserved you. I've protected you before the Father. Nobody can snatch you out of my hand. I will not leave you alone. I will send you another like me, a helper. And guess what? He decided to put that thing inside you. Why? So you couldn't lose it. It can't drip out. Oh, but I feel so empty. But you're not. I think it's important to put in here because this discussion we're having for some could easily sound like a, a version of prosperity gospel, which is exactly not what we're talking about because you just kind of hit the key things here. There is no desire in heaven to see people live within a poverty spirit. God wants us to be happy. The, the issue is what is it that we actually need and where do we come from in our heart? If I'm trying to, you know who I'm referring to too, if I'm trying to get another jet to fly to Africa, and doing that because it facilitates my image and the way that I'm seen more than purpose, then the motive is wrong. And what we're, we're do- coming about is a, is a selfless or selfish issue versus, Father, I need to be, as an example in this, I'm going to need to have the resources to travel to Africa versus, Father, I need a Gulf Stream and to do that in style so we can have my hang out with my buddies and fly over over to Africa. I mean, those two those two transactions are absolutely different, fundamentally different at the source of who we are. See, but the, the, the biggest problem is for most people, it's just an utter stumbling stone because they don't understand the interior motives of someone's heart. James said, you ask and you have not because you ask with the wrong motive. Motives matter. The the same two actions externally. One could be for the kingdom and righteous, and the other could be utterly wrong. Why? Because of the motive. And so I don't need to be someone else's judge about whether they do or don't have a plane. I don't. But if they're doing it for the show and the glow, how do you know Satan didn't give you the plane? See, I don't want... I don't want the things of the prince of this world. I don't want his stuff. I've been offered his stuff. If you just bow down to me, the temptation is with Jesus. All this, I, can, I, I will give to you. It only requires that you bow down to me. I'm not bowing down to you. So if that means I don't get any of that stuff, shove it. I don't care. You know, what most people don't know about my story is I started homeless and Zuma Tower 11 in Malibu. I had a green towel and a bicycle, and I was really fit, so I rode everywhere. That was not fun. That, those, were, those were some tough times. But the fact that I actually live someplace in that zip code, every day I wake up amazed. Every day. I know my story. I know, I know the journey. I know how hard it's been. And I know how amazing my father is. And so I just go like, you know, when Paul says, I know how to be content, whether I'm abased or I abound. It's like, it's it's about a joy. And guess what? I don't get joy in stuff. 
I don't know about you, but stuff rusts and it breaks down. And the more stuff you have to do, the more stuff, the more stuff you have, the more stuff you have to do. <laughs> that you know, I don't know. I don't need stuff. That's just is complication in life. I want, I want kingdom. I want the stuff of heaven that where moth and rust don't affect it. I want, I mean, it's like, you know, the lame man at the gate, beautiful. Is needing healing and he's he's begging for alms. What does Peter do? He said, "Silver and gold I don't have, but such as I do have, I give to you. Rise and walk." And he just stopped the welfare right there. Sadly, to the lame man at the gate, beautiful. The church has silver and gold, but such as the guy needs, it seems to be in short supply. So I think the more stuff you have, the more probably confused and crowded and distracted your life is, which is why I think God several times has brought me back to nothing. <laughs> Let's go ahead and just clear away the distraction, Brad. <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, I'm back here. This is great. <laughs> and and I, th I think the thing I know is like, Guess what? I get to laugh. And it's not a fake laugh. It's a deep inside confidence of knowing that, you know what? This is just stuff. You can enjoy it when you have it. And if it's gone, if it's gone tomorrow, I already know I'm fine. That's the confidence that I have is I get to enjoy it. It doesn't get to control me. Because I don't have this whole bunch of fear of, oh, if you take it away from me, my life is over. It's like, no, my life is not in that. My life is in a someone, not in a something. And, and th that changes everything right there. And I mean, you and I have trekked enough. You, you, you know, I, I can release a lot of things. And I don't really sit there like, well, what do I get out of it? It's like, no, if the father asked for it. There it is. That's freedom, baby. It sure is. But it's a costly road to get there because you have to have your own life sliced and diced. And, and I mean, there's times I've looked at me going like, hey, father, if you're not appalled, I am. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I thought better of me than this. <laughs> but I, I love the fact that it's like I... I don't, I don't have to pull any pretense. It's kind of like, I know me. I know what I'm capable of apart from him, and I don't want to go there. So I'm going to dwell close to him. And, and when you are, you're not going to come across as that braggadocious guy trying to say things, and his words are empty. You know, if you've been dwelling with Father, I don't have to lean in and go like, oh, okay, so let me, let me, what are the five steps again? It's like, no, no. In that moment, if I'm willing to do his will, the promise is I'll know. And so the question is, is my, my heart already resigned to do that? Like I was in Home Depot the other day. I had to go get uh, an attachment for my little trimmer thing. And, you know, they were all locked up because I guess everyone else steals them. So I had to wait for the lady to come unlock it. And when the lady came to come unlock it, it's kind of like she she didn't even know how to unlock the thing. And I, I said, can I help you? 
And it's like, well, I'm not sure if that's authorized. And so I, I, I think it was, a, it was a Karen employee that was having to kind of check all the, the, and I just said, you know, I'm in a hurry. Can I help you? And she allowed me to. And then I realized she was having a hard time with the lock because her, her wrists were all kind of gnarled up and her hands were really painful. I said, I said, is there something wrong with your, your wrists? And she's yeah, got really, really bad carpal tunnel stuff. And it's kind of like, you know, arthritis and all that stuff. And, and then she started talking to me about all this stuff that she's been doing with the doctor and none of it's worked. And there's another dude waiting for the same, you know, different thing. And I, I kind of looked at her and I said, I said, Hey, um, you know what I do with those problems? I bring them to Jesus. Right in Home Depot, there's not two or three of us gathered. There's me and them. And and she's got hurt hands such that she can't unlock a key. And I'm going like, hey, Lord, you know, let's let's go live. Let's just ask. And she looked at me like I had just spoken some foreign language. It's kind of like, Jesus? And I'm going like, you know, years ago, you used to think that people knew what you're talking about. Now in Home Depot, that could be the name of the guy waiting, you know? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> so in that moment, I go like, you know, um, I said, is it, is it all right if I pray for you? You'd think I just spoke in a foreign language. She didn't even know how to respond. And so I just took the liberty to say, hey, Jesus, this lady's hands like really hurt and she's struggling to even open a lock that's not cool that won't help her father i speak healing into her wrists and then she looked at me and it's like i had just done something really loving and kind but it's like she didn't have any thought that something was going to happen and i kind of said i said so do you mind me asking? Does it, did anything happen? Did you, did you feel anything? And she kind of, you know, it's like, no. I said, can you move your wrist a little more? And she, she tried. And she says, huh. I said, did that hurt? And she says, no. And she said, huh. And I said, well, I said, I think God can heal stuff. And if they hurt like that, maybe just ask him. To, to take away the pain and to give you your mobility back. And maybe you don't have to keep going to the doctor because the doctor will heal you. And then I took my tantrum and went on my way. I didn't stop to like take longer with it. Cause I didn't know she didn't really kind of know what to do, but I figured I've planted a seed. That's going to give a serious question for her. And she's going to wonder who is that crazy guy. And he talked about Jesus and he cared. I, th that's a no harm, no foul there. It's like, whether it happens or not, I was loving her and I gave the moment an opportunity for the kingdom to manifest. I have a sneaking hunch because I'm going to go back to that Home Depot. I'm going to look for her and I'm going to go after it again. If, if, if it isn't all the way better, I'm going to still keep buying stuff just to go see if I can't do another dose. And that's not a church service. That's not a healing thing. That's just a caring moment where I could have just said, oh, too bad for you. Or I could have made myself available for that moment. And I'm just choosing to say, I'm not letting moments at bat. I'm not going to sit there and like, you know, four pitches and I'll take a walk. I want to be a hitter. I'm going to step over the plate. Anytime there's the ball there, I'm going to go, hey, could I knock one out for the kingdom? 
Why? Oh, so I get another badge on my, no, no. It's like, because I want the world to change. Well, how is it going to change? I don't know, but I'm going to take every opportunity I can to see if I can't inject Jesus into that moment. And I'm not a jerk. And so I know how to do that with kindness. And if it's awkward, then maybe I won't do it. But if it's loving and kind and, you know, I didn't set up the glory, you know, it's like, I didn't put God to the test. I said, I, I think God can heal those things. Do you mind if I try? That's good. That's really good. Well, you're going to be able to bring a lot more of that fire in about 10 days. Because you're going to be at Barsfest. Yeah, baby, you city. It's going to be awesome. We're going to knock it out of the park. We sure are. Look, I think that we should close today with some prayers. I know that there's, I'm, I'm going to pray for you. And you decide whatever you want to pray for. But I know what I'm praying for for you because I'm going to share it. Because I, I, I know that you have been part of this enormous financial weight that you're under right now is also the idea of your pursuit to set up a printing, a Bible printing facility here in the United States that is dedicated to that, which we currently don't have any of, even though keep, people keep telling me, well, I know somebody. It's like, no, you don't. You don't understand the complexities. <laughs> There is no place right now that's currently printing Bibles dedicated in the United States. And so I know that that's been a, a, a very, um, it's been a pursuit and one that you've been called to do to print the Founder's Bible, not just on somebody else's presses, but to build a facility and have that facility dedicated to the Founder's Bible. Well, just to give people some background, there's only two physical plant locations that can actually physically print our Bible, because it's so thin on uh, the, the thin Bible paper. Most everyone else does it over in China. And guess what? China's so loved everyone's files that they've been putting it and changing it. So they're actually physically changing the Bible. Like the, the whole story of the woman caught in adultery, where Jesus says, hey, if you, you know, he, he who is without sin, cast the first stone and everyone leaves. Well, the Chinese government has decided to take that passage and it has some of the same language where Jesus asked the same question, the crowd dissipates, but in their version, he ends up stoning a woman. That's a problem. They're going to have that Bible out in the world. And because most people don't know their Bibles, what if AI overwrites all the other digital files? Not maybe, it will. What if, what, what if? It will. Yeah, I mean, you're just going like, okay, so they're changing the in unchangeable word of God. Yeah, because they're using the digital stuff. I need the funds to put our actual digital version of the Bible on a decentralized app platform so that nobody can change it. So even we can fight in the digital space, and it's before we have our EMP that knocks us back to the 1800s, <laughs> before then, I still want to be able to fight in the digital space for the Word of God. And the last, the last few print runs, we have been held hostage politically by a, a, a printer company that was a politically opposed to what was going on. When we, we were doing a print run around the, um, the election, it was supposed to be done in mid-November. They did not deliver Bibles to us until after Joe Biden was inaugurated. Funny little coincidence. Screwed up our entire Christmas sales, which put us in bad, bad situation. I had already paid for everything, and they're just like, sue us. And you're just going like, 
you people are so foul. And I didn't have any other options. You're just going like, okay, hey, God, I don't want to be in this situation. I need a siloed solution that allows us unrestrained printing of the physical Bible that nobody else can stop. And I don't care how you do that or where you do that, but we were just up in Oregon testing something out and found the solution that is just marvelous. And I'm just going like, no way, this is going to work. We've been hard at this for the last, you know, nine months trying to find a solution. I want to dovetail into this because I do find this amazing that you found that solution in Corvallis. There's reasons for that because that's where I went to school, Oregon State. I also find it amazing that it's in Oregon when – <laughs> the property that we now have was just a random, which was literally called by Delilah, who had a vision. It's like Brad needs to get involved here, which is fantastic. And that's only an, about two hours away from that location. So I think there's something here pretty substantial. i just say it. I think, you know. Yeah, just just saying. I mean, I, I look at all this and I'm just going like, hey, Lord, you know. I want to have the unrestrained capacity that when everyone else is shutting them down, because like not, you know, I think we're the we're one of the last publishers that domestically prints Bibles in the US. Virtually everybody else goes to China. And I'm like, that's a dumb idea. Not just because they're stealing the Bible and rewriting it, but it's like, you know, at some point we're gonna be in hostilities and you guys are all gonna be up a creek. And so as just a normal business guy. I'm thinking that's not a smart solution. And so at that point, guess what? I'm not just doing this to print our own Bible. I'm going to I'm going to rescue all the other knuckleheads that have nowhere to turn. Because I, I want them to have the same capacity. I'm not going to like, well, too bad for you. I, it's like, no, uh, welcome to the team player. It's kind of like, you know, when 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 they have helped us not at all, I'm totally going to help them. Why? Because that's what the king would do. Come on, people. We're supposed to be reflecting him. And so, you know, how is God going to do all that? I don't know. That that requires a lot more millions than I have. But my God is able to do exceedingly abundantly beyond all I can ask or think. That's what my Bible says. And and it, I, I get to have fun with him. Why? Because he wants me to ask him. Why? So that his joy and my joy are both pinned in full, complete. And I'm going like, gosh, Lord, most people don't know you like that. But I want to know you. I want to know you like that. And I don't want to just theorize about it. I want to know it. And the only way you know things is to live them. You know, and, I, and, and, and honestly, that's we're down here on a remedial lesson to say, Guess what? When everyone else is clenching and they're 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 just freaked out, we're gonna live like we can live above the normal circumstances because my father directed me to come down here. I'm kind of curious to go like, what are you gonna show me? What are you gonna teach me? And I could say, well, you could just teach me that at home. That's not been my experience. I agree with that one. Usually I have to go where he's inviting me to go to learn what he's wanting me to learn. And I got to tell you, I love living an extraordinary life because I'm in pursuit of the extraordinary one. And it has nothing to do with, with a credit card and you know, cost. It has everything to do with following a voice. Just saying. 
I'll start. You can close. Whatever your heart leads. I know where I'm going. Okay. So, all right. Well, Father, we're here today just blessed as always to have this fellowship that you've blessed me with and has also allowed us with, with Brad and has allowed that to be shared with an amazing fellowship and community of people. And he's just a blessed soul that provides such light and inspiration to the love of Jesus and the living God, you, Father. So, Father, we're, we're coming to you today. Just, I'm going to stand before you, literally, as I am now. Father, you are a, a God of abundance, and you have un, there's unlimited things you can do. And so we're coming to you on a, in a need, an urgent need. And this need is, is simple. It's your word. Word that's been put in the format of one Bible with many more to come uh, to spread this word, not by the hands of others in foreign lands, but to have a facility, a dedicated mission, all the resources necessary to make a production of this Bible here in this blessed land. And, and the, there's no irony missed, Father, that you're leading Brad to one of the most liberal and dark states in the Union, Oregon, that also has had multiple prophecies, including one you've gave to me, that the revival shall begin in Oregon and in the Northwest. So, Father, I just see this as a moment of us now stepping into that and literally proclaiming that in this moment, we're asking for all the resources, however that manifests, whatever you bring to this and however you choose to bring them, but to deliver them to Brad with urgency, not, not with hesitation, but with urgency to provide the resources necessary to get this process moving, to establish the production facility and the capabilities necessary to produce the Founder's Bible and many more here in the Northwest, right in the eye of Satan, which makes me laugh, and to take back this domain, literally, to do the impossible to stand before you and as we stand, even as David stood before Goliath, to stand before this region, to stand before the darkness that stands in this region and say, you have done the most awful thing. You have defied the living God. And we are now going to become the Davids with the stone and the reminder that we shall not only slay you, but cut off your head. And that's the profound moment that we're in, Father, as we stand here now with an opportunity, a mission, a drive, a passion to glorify the kingdom humbly. And so we put that request before you to say, Father, in the declarations given to us by Jesus himself, we ask for the resources necessary and all the blessings that come with it to make this vision come true and become a new stronghold in the fight to take back this land in your name. And we say these things in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Father, we humble ourselves before you because you only give grace to the humble. And Lord, without you, we really can't do much of anything. I know me. I know the sweat of my brow, but Lord, the things that need to happen are not within our resources and grasp. And so, Lord, we just humble ourselves before you, and I'm coming boldly. Lord, thank you for Scott's prayer. I say amen, and I agree. He said, if two shall ask in your name and agree, it shall be done. So, Lord, I thank in advance for the resources 
to produce your word and to domicile it wherever you provide it with all the means thereto and the rights appertaining. So, Lord, I ask that you would bring that about speedily. But, Lord, I, I bring this whole Bards Fest thing before you. And, God, I want, I want to summon the warriors for this hour, the Davids, the, the little ones, the mighty men. Lord, whoever they are that you're calling right now, I put a summons out in the spirit that they would be brought to Yuba City. God, I could care less the size of the gathering. I, I care about the quality of those responding to your call right now. Lord, the, the fields are ripe unto harvest, and the laborers are few. And you invited us to ask for laborers. So, Lord, I, I ask, would you summon the laborers and the warriors? Would you speak to every heart? that needs to be there and whatever needs they have resources to get there, would you make it happen? Would you bring Gideon's 300? Would they be ready, willing, able spirits to respond in this hour? Cause God, we've got way too many people sitting, listening, and even praying in the way that we're asking you to do stuff that you've commissioned us to do. And Lord, I ask that it would be a time of empowerment, a time of commissioning, a time of clarity and strategy about the, the seriousness of this hour. And Lord, I ask for prophetic uh, revelation for each and every speaker. God, I care less who they are. I care what they have to say. And Lord, I know you've assembled a, a great group of real, real soldiers, warriors that know you and are sold out for your purpose. But God, whatever has to happen between now and that Wednesday night that it starts and Thursday that kicks it off, Lord, I pray that you would bring everything together, but that you would put a summons in the spirit. And Lord, I pray right now for hearts to respond that would just know I need to be there and that you get them there, Lord. And I thank you that everything could be streamed, but Lord, I know that there's something about the being there with you. And, and so to whomever that applies, Lord, get them there. And Lord, I ask that that would begin a shift in the seasons where we start to take ground not, not chasing after the news, wondering what's happening, but Lord, we're implementing your strategy. I pray that that would be a marker that would change things where the, the earthly army and the heavenly army connect and together they move out and do what we're supposed to do in this hour. And Lord, whatever resources and anointing that we need for that, I pray you release it. May there be an open heaven over Yuba City. And Lord, would you be preparing the ground even now? And I just thank in advance for a glorious time of gathering in your chambers to understand your strategy and counsel for what we need to do in this day and hour. And I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And I so concur. Thank you, Brad. It's going to be an amazing time. Well, you have, what, a few more days there? How long are you down there in Mexico? We're here to the, to the 30th. 
and uh, I don't know. I it it's there's something amazing. God is. I mean, seriously, God is at work doing stuff. And I don't think it's just America. I mean, I think there's all over the place. There's a yearning in people's hearts that they know something's wrong and they're needing some real leadership right now to give them the courage and confidence and to act. And I sort of feel like, you know, that's what's missing is we, we, we need to shift from thinking and pondering to acting in obedience according to the directives that God provides. And I, you know, I just, I, I remember when we were talking about this, I'm going like, it's not a festival. It's a war council. It's, it's, it's time for us to get into that throne room of God and to say, Hey, we don't know what to do. You know, we can come up with great ideas, but we don't know what to do. We need your directives and your orders. And I think God invites us into that space. And so I, for one, am showing up. I know you are. It's awesome. You know that we we put the subtext. We we'd already started with Bards Fest, but you know that we changed it to convening the War Council. That was uh, dead on. It target, is. Buddy. Nice. It is good job. I mean, and it, you know, I've told people this. <laughs> I am. I'm still waiting for. I think it's going to come out of this. Honestly, that's why I'm kind of excited because I think what's going to happen is we're going to get a new name at this event for Bards Fest. It's gonna it's gonna shape, and I, so for right now we're kind of doing Bards Fest tag assembling the work council or convening the work councils, but something big's coming it, in many levels. You, you hit one of the things right there, which I fully, I feel so much more, even the prayer format or prayers that have come out today. But I, I want to go back to, as we kind of close this up, I just want to highlight that piece. Lou had the vision that you've worked with Lou. Lou Engel. Yeah. Good guy. Had the vision that the revival would begin in the Northwest. Bobby had the same thing, and I was given the same vision when I was there with you in Yuba City, that the revival would begin in the Northwest. I don't think there's anything missed here than in the last year and a half, two years, that you've been working on this project to set up a print system for the Bibles that you end up in Corvallis, Oregon. I'm just pointing that out. Of all the little places in the world, <laughs> if people don't understand, like you don't, people don't even realize it. Like That's HP's headquarters for printing, but... What you found is something that very few people even realize that HP has the cutting edge printer in the world that's made here in the United States for this sort of thing. We we will actually all all, all things successful, we will be the very first Bible publisher to be printing Bibles with um the digital ink ink inkjet presses. Everyone does it on a different older technology, offset press, which is just a whole lot more millions of dollars and you know square feet and all that other stuff. These are the most cutting edge. Um, it's the future of printing. That's for darn sure. But I asked, I asked, I asked the head of HP. I'm like, so I don't, I don't mind being the pioneer. I like being the pioneer of things, but I don't like being the guinea pig. Why, why is no one done this before? <laughs> And I'll be honest, they did not have a good answer. I think they looked at each other and were like, oh, we, we don't know. It's like, we know we can do this. And, and what, what, what most people don't, because I mean, I've had so many people, oh, I know a printer, I know a printer. I'm like, yeah, there's lots of printers. But we're on the furthest edge of the specs of what these machines can process, the thinness of the paper, the ink, and to be able to put so much ink on a piece of paper that's so thin that it doesn't blot out the other side so you can actually read it the opacity and all that. It's like, it takes such incredible fine tuning of what's going on. And, you know, 
the 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 test run that we did, no one said anything because no one no one really knew will this work. We came away from that meeting so elated because it not only worked, it was stunning. And I just sat there going like, no flipping way. And I'm just going like, gosh, Lord, how cool. Yet again, the word of God gets to be the pioneer and it gets to go where no one else has gone before. It's like, this is total Star trek It's like, come on, baby. <laughs> Above and beyond, let's do it. And I just, I came away with just a sense of total hope going like, I didn't know if we had a solution. And it's like, it's no fun to work nine, nine months on something only to come up, you know, like next. <laughs> and, and, and I just like, wow, this is, this is going to work. And it's kind of fun at the place that everyone has their pronouns. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm going like HP stop with this queer, you know, weird queer stuff, but it's so fun to be a Bible guy in a world that is a flush with all craziness. And here we are working with a, a top-notch company to print the Bible. That just is, it makes for fun discussions because I get free reign to share the gospel everywhere. <laughs> no, that's totally <laughs> awesome. That's great. Well, Brad, I hope you have a wonderful stay down there. I know you and I will chat regularly, but I know you're going to have a wonderful time with the family. And it's uh, yeah. blessed having you, truly blessed having you on the show as always. So thank you. It's always fun. It's Bars always Nation, be doers. Don't be hearers, be doers. Be doers. That's good. All right, sir. Have a very blessed day. We'll talk soon. And out. God bless. Well, Patriots, that's Pastor Brad Cummings, and uh, obviously good friend and an amazing man of God. So I uh, appreciate you all staying through this. This is a this was a good interview. And I if you for those that didn't get a chance to stay through the whole thing, if you can encourage them to listen to it, I think there's a lot in this for us to take and take to heart. And really in a time right now when there's so much, needs to be so much focus on us reclaiming our authorities. So keep your head up and your eyes forward. Never bow to evil. Never relent. Always press into the fight. God is with us. He'll never forsake us. And in the end, God always wins. But we are here in this time, in this place, for just such a time as this. We are at war. So walk boldly and fearlessly with Christ. Occupy the land. Expand the kingdom. Subdue the enemy. Mission forward. Patriots, I'll see you tonight for Fishers of Men. Until then or until the next time, God, God bless and out for now. We shall pay any price, bear any burden, meet any hardship, support any friend, oppose any foe to assure the survival and the success of liberty. Every thoughtful citizen who despairs of war and wishes to bring peace should begin by looking inward, by examining his own attitude towards the possibilities of peace. Too many of us think it is impossible. Too many think it is unreal. But that is a dangerous, defeatist belief. It leads to the conclusion that war is inevitable, that mankind is doomed, that we are gripped by forces we cannot control. We need not accept that view. Our problems are man-made. Therefore, they can be solved by man. And man can be as big as he wants. No problem of human destiny is beyond human beings. Man's reason and spirit 
have often solved the seemingly unsolvable, and we believe they can do it again. Surely the opening vistas of space promise high costs and hardships, as well as high reward. So it is not surprising that some would have us stay where we are a little longer, to rest, to wait. But this city of Houston, this state of Texas, this country of the United States was not built by those who waited and rested and wished to look behind them. This country was conquered by those who move forward, and so will space. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other thing, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. Because that challenge is one that we're willing to accept. The energy, the faith, the devotion, which we bring to this endeavor, will light our country and all who serve it. And so, my fellow Americans, ask not what your country can do for you, ask what you can do for your country. thousands of years to show its face. It has only one intent, to destroy God's light and to enslave. It has no scruples. It has no rules but one, to win at any cost. But we will never bow, for we are the remnant that will hold the line. This is war. We fight. Push. We climb. We never give in. We become the nightmare that evil didn't know could exist. We pray. We stand. We live by the words in God we trust. We fear nothing. We are the light that can never be extinguished. We are patriots. We are the digital army that will help deliver God's wrath. 